Now, as I said, we're going to continue this series on the cross speaks, and our text is found in John chapter 19, and in verse 28, it says this, Jesus knew that his mission was now finished, and to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and they held it to his lips. Now, here in this text lies another one of those simple statements that Jesus made on the cross. In fact, I think it's the shortest one. I am thirsty. I am thirsty. The King James says, I thirst. What is the significance of that? Does that have any meaning to us? Was there importance of Jesus saying, I am thirsty? Well, an attempt to make application of this verse, we're going to look at at the significance of what Jesus said that day whenever he said, I am thirsty. The significance of Jesus being thirsty, number one, is that it reveals his humanity. Although Jesus was 100% God, he was 100% human too. You know, some people mistakenly think, well, Jesus was the Son of God, so none of this was hard for him. But as you look at it, and you see the way that he responded to everything that he went through on the cross, it's quite evident that he was 100% God, but he was also 100% human as well. And we know that because Jesus said, I'm thirsty. He had needs like we have needs. He died like we know death. He suffered like we know suffering. Jesus said, I am thirsty. But number two, Jesus thirsting reveals his fulfillment of prophecy. In John 19, 28, it says, Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. When Jesus said, I am thirsty, he was fulfilling scriptural prophecy. You know, the Bible tells us, what, what scripture was he filling? He, was he fulfilling? Well, Psalm 69, 21 says this, they put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. This was a prophetic utterance. You know, this is only one of 380 prophecies that predicted in great detail Jesus' crucifixion. 380 times in Old Testament, covering thousands of years. It was predicted that Jesus was going to be crucified. It was predicted the things that he would say, where he was going to be crucified. Isaiah 53 talks about how he bore the stripes on his back. All of that was prophesied many, many, many years before it ever took place. And so Jesus' thirsting reveals that he truly was the promised Messiah, the Savior, the Redeemer of the world. He was more than a good man, as some religions say. Well, Jesus was a good man. He was a good teacher. He was a prophet. No, he was more than that. Jesus was the Redeemer, the Messiah, the Son of God, the one that came to set the world free from sin. Amen? Number three, Jesus' thirsting reveals his commitment to his Father's purpose. How many of you know he had a purpose? It's interesting to know that six hours earlier, when Jesus was offered something to drink, he refused it. He refused it. In Mark chapter 15 and verse 22, it says, they brought him to the place 
to the place called Golgotha, which is translated place of a skull. And they tried to give him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. Jesus refused a drink of wine mixed with myrrh, which was really, they, you know, from the commentaries I read, water in those days where a lot of it was nasty tasting, kind of like now. But they would put sometimes like vinegar in the water to make it taste better. And so Jesus is offered a drink, but he refuses it. Now, why was Jesus refusing this wine mixed with myrrh? Well, many scholars believe that the reason he refused it, myrrh was very common and used oftentimes in those days. And myrrh was used often to ease suffering. And that Jesus refused it because he didn't want to ease the suffering. Myrrh was considered like a narcotic or used as a painkiller to ease suffering. And Jesus refuses myrrh. He refuses something to drink. And, and many believe that Jesus referred the reason why he refused it because he refused to lighten the suffering that he was going to go through. The drink was often referred to as the cup of suffering. In Matthew chapter 20 and verse 22, Jesus answered by saying to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? See, the fact that Jesus refused to drink and now was thirsty indicates the significance of his commitment to his purpose. He wasn't trying to get around suffering. He was not trying to ease the burden that the Father had put on on him to carry. No, he was willing to take on the full weight of judgment and suffering for our sins and for our well-being. In Hebrews 2.18 says, Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. Come on, you've heard the statement, you just don't understand what I'm going through. You can't say that to Jesus. He knows, hey, listen, he knows what you're going through. And the thing of it is he went through it to help you and I. Why wouldn't anybody serve Jesus? You just don't understand who he is. Because if you truly understand who he is and what he did for you, you should be crazy about worshiping Jesus. Not not your arms crossed and, you know, when's this going to be over? You need revelation knowledge is what you need. Come on, are y'all with me out there? Man, when you realize that Jesus got on the cross because you were supposed to get there, my goodness, your hands got to go up, your voice got to get loud. You got to say, thank you, Jesus. Come on, Jesus is the Savior, isn't he? Jesus suffered so he could help us in our suffering. Number four, Jesus thirsting reveals his provision to satisfy the thirst of others. One clue to the fourth meaning of this statement is found in John chapter 4, when Jesus has this dialogue with this woman at the well. It's the only other time in John's gospel that we, that we can see that Jesus expressed the fact that he was thirsty. And in John chapter 4 and verse 3, I'm going to read the whole or most of the story there so we can get the, the picture. In John chapter 4 and verse 3, he felt he left Judea and went away again into Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. And he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. 
And Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, being wearied from his journey, there you go again, the humanity of Jesus, Jesus was weary from his journey, and he was sitting thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour, and there came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food, and therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink since I'm a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. The Samaritan women were considered, you know, the scum of the earth. Verse 10, Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. She said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? See, she don't get it yet. Verse 12, you're not greater than our father Jacob, are you? Who gave us the well and drank of himself and his sons and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. This natural water in this well, you're going to get thirsty again. But verse 14, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Now we get a clue into why Jesus was willing to get thirsty on the cross. Through this dialogue between Jesus and the Samaritan woman, Jesus reveals his ability. First of all, he reveals his ability to know things he shouldn't know. Because he starts telling about her life story. And at the end of this verse, you will see that she perceives that he's a prophet. But, you know, Jesus reveals his ability to quench another form of thirst. And it's not the natural thirst, it's the spiritual thirst. In verse 13, Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. The water that I will give him, in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Let me, let me just make a, a note here that when Jesus gives you a glass to fill your thirst, not natural thirst, your spiritual thirst, he don't give you a glass, he gives you a fire hydrant. Have you ever tried to drink from a fire hydrant that was open? The water that Jesus has is not a little, a little thimble of water. Not a drop on a dropper. I'm talking about fire hydrant. Come on, are y'all with me out there? Jesus identifies this water that he's talking about. The, this Samaritan woman didn't understand what he was talking about. It's like, hey, you know, well, you got to go deep to get that living water. Where, where, where is it down there? How are you going to get way down there? She didn't have a clue what he was talking about. But he said, no, I'm not talking about natural water. I'm talking about living water. So listen, here's the divine exchange. Jesus became thirsty so we could have our deep spiritual thirst quenched. Now you say, well, that, that don't really excite me. Well... The cross speaks of satisfying the thirst of humanity. And I want to give you a couple of truths concerning the thirst of humanity. Number one, every human has a deep inner spiritual thirst. Everybody does. 
In Amos chapter, uh, chapter 8 and verse 11, the days are coming, declares the sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land, not a famine of food or a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. Men will stagger from sea to sea and wander from north to east, searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. What is Amos speaking of right here? He said a famine or a thirst from the word of the Lord. He's speaking of a spiritual famine. He's speaking of a spiritual thirst on the land. How many of you know that is happening right now? There are millions and millions of people that are spiritually thirsty. They're thirsty. They're walking around with this huge emptiness in their life. There's huge void inside. And they don't understand They can't make sense of life. They don't know what's going on. But I tell you what it is. It's this huge spiritual thirst that's down on the inside of them. Let me give you a second truth. Most people don't even recognize they are spiritually thirsty. See, they don't recognize. They won't won't label label it as being spiritually thirsty. How do you know when you're suffering from spiritual thirst? Well, here are some common expressions of people that are spiritually thirsty. I'm unhappy. I am, I am unhappy. How many of you know unhappiness is a sign of being spiritually thirsty? So the enemy will say, it's that wife you got. It's that husband you got that's making you unhappy. No. You know what your problem is? You are spiritually thirsty. Your wife can't satisfy you the way that the king of kings and the lord of lords can. You can have five different wives and you're still going to be thirsty. Come on, are y'all with me out there? Help me preach out there. Now listen, here's another one. I don't feel fulfilled in life. It's my job. No, an unfulfilled life is another sign of a deep spiritual thirst. I'm lonely. I'm at the end of my rope. I can't cope. I'm stressed. I'm depressed. I'm discouraged. Feeling defeated. These are common expressions of deep spiritual thirst. See, people look good on the outside. They go into church in their Sunday best. They look like everything is just right and in order in their life. But the reality is they're suffering with a deep spiritual thirst on the inside. Truth number three concerning the spiritual thirst of humanity Most people are looking in all the wrong places to quench their spiritual thirst. They're looking in all the wrong places. Remember the little woman at the well who said, who recognized her need. She was thirsty, but she was trying to get it in all the wrong places. Remember, a little bit later, Jesus said in that same dialogue with the woman at the well in verse 15, She said, please, sir. The woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again. What is she saying? I am thirsty, and I won't have to come here to get water. Verse 16, he said, go and get your husband. Jesus told her, I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, but you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. And she said, you certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. Well, how many of you know if you met somebody you never knew and you've been married five times and divorced and you shook up with a man 
And somebody came to you and said, you've been married five times and you shacked up right now. You're not married. How many of you know that gets your attention? And that's what happened to this woman. I perceive you're a prophet. She was right. But listen, here's the thing. It seems the Samaritan woman was trying to quench her spiritual thirst with relationships. And after five and now the sixth, it was not happening. She was going to all the wrong sources to try to fill a void in her life that only Jesus Christ can fill. And there are people all over. This is a picture of what we try to do. We try to quench our spiritual thirst with things that will never satisfy. It'll never satisfy. Say, well, if I get a boyfriend, I'm going to be good. No. If I get a girlfriend, I'll be good. No. If I make more money, I'll be good. No. We try quenching our thirst with relationships, with alcohol, with drugs, with pleasure, with entertainment. We look to the world to try to fill this void, this emptiness in our life. And I'm telling you, I've tried it all and it does not satisfy. Come on, can I get a witness this morning? Anybody else found that out? It does not satisfy. None of the things the world offers can quench the spiritual thirst of humanity. Truth number four concerning the spiritual thirst of humanity. You will always have a spiritual emptiness in your souls until you allow Jesus to fill your soul. You will always have an emptiness. The Samaritan woman recognized the solution to her problem. In verse 15, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again. The Samaritan woman knew that Jesus was the only one that could quench the thirst. And, you know, here's the bottom line of this message. Jesus thirsted on the cross so you and I don't have to thirst in life. That's the bottom line. And, you know, you don't have to live an empty, unfulfilled life. Jesus paid a big enough price to quench your spiritual thirst. Amen? You don't have to live an empty, unfulfilled, unsatisfied life. In John chapter 7 and verse 37, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and he didn't didn't murmur. He didn't mumble. Jesus stood and he cried out saying, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. There's the fire hydrant. Come on, I'm talking about you're not only going to have enough drink for you, you're going to have some for somebody else. Amen. Are you living an unhappy life, an unsatisfied life? You don't have to. Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me. Listen. Jesus thirsted so we don't have to thirst. Jesus refused the drink. He refused the, the, the thirst quencher so that he could meet the needs of humanity. And what he did way back then at the cross, my friends, is still in motion today. 
And every day in church today, across this world, across the globe, there will be people that stumble into church who have a great emptiness in their life and they will encounter the rivers of living water and their thirst will be satisfied. And from that day forward till they go to be with Jesus, they're going to always feel that their emptiness is no longer there because Jesus satisfies. Amen. The two keys to living a happy, satisfying, fulfilled life. Quit looking to other things to satisfy you. Every human has a God-shaped hole in his heart that only God can fill. But, you know, sometimes we think that, that if we can just get that one thing, it's going to work. But listen, God creates us with this need to worship, with this need to be in relationship with a Creator. And every one of us is drawn to worship. And what happens is if we, if we don't turn to Jesus and let him fill our void, we're going to turn to people. We're going to turn to things. We'll begin to worship things. We'll begin to worship ourselves. I mean, you know, we will take care of ourselves and make this whole idol out of ourselves. But it's always going to leave us empty inside. So first we need to recognize that only God can fill the God-sized hole in your heart. Amen? Jeremiah 21, 13 says, My people have done two evils. They have turned away from the spring of living water and they have dug their own wells, which are broken wells that cannot hold water. God says, Not only have my people not look to me to meet their needs. They've turned away from me. But number two, they've tried to satisfy their own needs on their own ways, and it's not holding water. They've dug their own wells, but it cannot hold water. You know, that's why this little lady, she thought, man, if I just get me a man, it's going to be all right. But it was a well that wouldn't hold water. And after a while... She was back in the same shape. She got another husband. It didn't hold water. It didn't satisfy. There are people that go from relationship to relationship because they got this emptiness and they think this relationship is going to do it. Or they go from hobby to hobby. They throw themselves into golf thinking, I'm just going to play golf and it's going to satisfy. No, it won't. And then they finally like, man, I'm tired of playing golf. I can't bring up my score or lower my score, whichever it might be. And then they go get another hobby. I'm going to go fishing. And they go fishing until they hook themselves with their own line. You know, and then they just go, you know, and so people like, you know, they wait, they wait for somebody or something or some situation to finally make them happy in life. And it's like a a well that doesn't hold water. Are y'all with me out there? Nothing the world has to offer can satisfy your life except Jesus. Jesus said in John 7, 37, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me. Let me just stop right here to say it doesn't mean just be saved. You can be a Christian and still have a spiritual thirst in your life. There are Christians that live immoral lives. Why they live immoral lives? They're looking for love in all the wrong places. They're trying to satisfy an inch that the world can't satisfy. 
Amen? And so we need to realize that Jesus can help us. And so number one, we need to quit looking to other things to satisfy us. And number two, remember Jesus can heal your pains that may be causing your thirst. When Jesus refused to drink on the cross, he chose to suffer. And he was suffering for the purpose of healing our pain. In Isaiah 53, 4, he took our suffering on him and felt our pain for us. We saw his suffering and thought God was punishing him, but he was wounded for the wrong we did. He was crushed for the evil evil we did. The punishment which made us well was given to him, and we are healed because of his wounds. Jesus suffered to make us well. Amen? Jesus suffered so he could heal our pains. You know, I was listening to a tape called Dropped, and the, and the preacher was talking about an axe when, whenever uh, Paul... Uh, was it Peter and, uh, I can't remember, Peter and John that was going to the temple and, and the, the blind uh, beggar was there at the, at the temple gate. He said he was wounded from his mother's, he was wounded from his mother's womb or he was crippled from his mother's womb. And I was listening to this teaching. And as I was listening to it, I, I was doing my flower beds. I mean, of all ungodly things to do, pulling weeds out of your flower bed. But the Lord spoke to me, and it's just like it just dawned on me. Wow, our, our jail system is filled with broken people. Our prison system is filled with broken people. There are people that lived out there that, that act, acted in ungodly ways out there in the street that have broken down people that are suffering an emptiness in life because of the pain they went through. You know, they're, pe- they're there because of the spiritual emptiness in their life. And they've tried in all ways to satisfy that need. You know, I, I remember, you know, a couple of months ago, we went down there to do the class and, and, and they got the schedules mixed up. And, um, and they, had, uh, they had the ladies in the chapel and, the, and they had to get, re- get them out before the men could come in and us have class. And I was looking in the face of some of these young ladies and it broke my heart because there was precious young ladies. You could see the pain in their face. And my heart just felt compassion for them because some of these young ladies are there because they're broken. They have an emptiness in life because they never had a dad that said, I love you. They never had a family unit that was nurturing. They never had a situation that could help them. And I realized, my goodness, if they can know about Jesus and how he's the thirst quencher, they can get set free from the brokenness that got them here. And they can leave this place never to come back again. Come on, y'all agree with that? They're men. There's a man that we met, that Pastor Nick and I met in there. And he told us his story. He was in there for three rape counts. And as, as we got to know him, he began to share his story. See, he was raped whenever he was young. He was abused whenever he was young. He came up in abuse. He didn't know how to satisfy his brokenness. And so it ended up leading him to doing these wicked things. But the good news is he encountered the thirst quencher. He encountered Jesus Christ. The Lord has delivered him, set him free. And he is a free man, although he's still in prison today. 
Come on, are y'all? Listen, they say that most of the people that go to jail will return there. And the reason they return there is because they never read, they never met the real solution to their problem. Jesus came to the earth to heal us of our brokenness and to heal our pain. Amen. So listen, whether you're suffering from physical pain, emotional pain, whether you've been abandoned, rejected, whether you had no nurture, no love, I'm here to tell you that the love of Jesus Christ can heal you and deliver you and fill your void today. That's why he died. Amen. Come on. Isaiah 53, 5 says he took our suffering on him and felt our pain. For us, Jesus suffered so you could be healed of any emptiness in your life. Two ways God heals our hearts. Number one, through the power of his Holy Spirit touching you. Romans 5.5 5 says, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. You know, I heard somebody say, a man quote that, you know, all addictions can be traced back to the absence of love. Well, when I heard that, I thought, well, you know what? I think maybe not just addictions can be traced back to the absence of love. All evil, wrong behavior can be traced back to the absence of love. Perfect love cast out all fear. Perfect love never fails. When you've got your heart filled with the love of God... You don't need anything or anybody to make you happy. Amen. Come on. Are y'all with me out there? First Corinthians 13, eight says love never fails. And so listen, there are kids in Guatemala. You've heard the stories. I mean, imagine a kid getting hung in a tree until they got, until the adult, the parent got home so they could just be abused again. Imagine that horror story. That they're so abused that they finally come to this home in Guatemala that they can't even speak. They've been, they've gone through so much trauma. But somehow through its course of time, they begin talking. Not only do they begin talking, they begin prospering. They begin learning. They begin excelling. And they became, they become normal, healthy human beings. How is that possible? I think it's possible through the power of the love of Jesus Christ. The love of God can transform a life. It's the love of God. And when somebody gets connected with Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, Romans 5 says, the Holy Spirit is shed abroad in our hearts. The Holy Spirit fills our hearts with the love of God. And all of a sudden, it's like, man, it's not quite as much emptiness. I don't need to do the things I did before. I, need, I don't need to go where I went before. And all of a sudden, addictions fall off the wagon. Behavior falls off the wagon. And all of a sudden, they experience the presence of God like never before. Are y'all hearing me this morning? Jesus is the solution. You know, so listen, through the power of His Holy Spirit touching our hearts, our thirst can be quenched. But number two, through the love of God extended to us through other believers. You know, I'm firmly convinced that the way that God heals us is through the love of the body of Christ, through the love of other believers. You know, listen, whenever you have a young man that's never had a father who says, I'm proud of you, son, God will bring a man in your life to tell you, I'm proud of you, son. 
God will give you a spiritual father. Listen, Pastor Elijah, in one of our meetings, said something the other day that just really just like I thought was profound. There's been books written about the wound of the man, that there are many men that are broken because they never had the affirmation and the acceptance of their father. And they live their whole lives trying to get that. And he said, in that meeting, he said, there's some people that have the wound of the mother. And I got to thinking, man, the, the adults that are, that are living on this planet whose, whose mothers walked out on them. Some, some of them, were, they were put on the doorstep of an emergency room or whatever, left, left out. And so, you know, the reality is, even in this room today, there's broken people that have been through broken times. They've been through bad experiences. What do you do? You didn't choose it. What do you do? The more you turn to Jesus and allow his love to flow through your life, the more healthy and whole you'll be. The more you surround yourself with the body of Christ and let the body of Christ love on you, how do you, how do you get healed from a mother wound? You get some spiritual mothers around you that'll love you. Amen? In a pure way. How does a man get healed from the wound that he suffered growing up from his dad? You get around spiritual men that'll help heal that wound. See, right now it's Celebrate Recovery. I don't know. They got 50, 60 people going, you know, there's a bunch of broken people there. You know what? They're getting healed. How are they getting healed? They're getting love from each other. They're getting support from each other. Listen, there's a lot of broken people that are in our life groups that are building relationships. And as they build those relationships, listen what the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 1, 4. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Amen. Listen, God has a ministry for all of us. As we get our emptiness filled with the love of God, now God says, go hand somebody a drink of water. Go love on some other broken person. You know, I remember a couple years ago, there was somebody who came to church. They came talk to Tanya and I. And after church, Tanya and I looked at each other and they said, oh my goodness, they need help. That's what somebody said about me whenever I got here too. But they were just broken. And you know what we said to each other? You know what? We can help them. We can help them. If they will plug themselves into this church and get involved, they'll get delivered, they'll get healed, they'll be made whole, and they will do great. And you know what? A couple years, fast forward, they're in this church right now, they are doing good, they are healthy, and they are whole. How does that happen? It's the power of the love of God flowing in the hearts of people through the Spirit of God and through the body of Christ. Amen? Listen, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian, but you're going to miss out on a whole lot if you don't. Amen? Are y'all with me out there? Come on, stand with me, and let's close in prayer. Jesus is the thirst quencher. I just feel a need right now to just mention... 
You know, every once in a while I hear a story of somebody in the church and what they went through. You know, how many of you know we live in a fallen world? And so, you know, it's impossible for us to not get wounded. For us to not get broken through circumstances in life. But while I've been preaching this morning, maybe you've been here and you've identified with what I'm talking about today. And right where you are in your seat, you could be in your 70s and feel empty. Would you just bow your heads with me today? If you're here today and say, Todd, you know, you could be a Christian and feel empty. And I just feel like, like God wants to, to fill your heart. If that's you today and you say, Todd, would you pray for me? I feel empty. I want you to just raise your hands. Don't be ashamed. Don't be bashful. Okay, there you go. There you go. Just raise your hands. You're unhappy. You're not feeling fulfilled. Now just lift the other hand and just reach up to heaven. Jesus said, come to me if you're thirsty. Come on, come to him with your faith right now. Turn your heart. Jesus said, I will be to you a father when your father walks out. I will be to you a mother when your mother walks out. I will fill the void of the broken relationships in your life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father God, I pray that you would release your comfort in this room today. Lord Jesus, I pray that you fill every heart, fill every life. Come on, just receive the touch of God today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let God just fill you. Let God just touch you. Come on, those of you that that are here, just let's pray together. Let's ask God. Come on, the Holy Spirit brings the love of God and, and just brings, fills our heart. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come now. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. Lord, you do what only you can do. You have the ability, to, Lord, to fill hearts, fill lives. You have the ability to shower your grace on people today. And God, we're asking for you to do that today. Lord Jesus, fill every empty heart. Fill every, every heart that is void right now. Lord, touch every life, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Come on, just begin to thank him now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father God, for filling hearts, filling lives. Thank you, Lord, for encouraging people today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now put your hands down, those of you that have had your hands raised. How many of you here today say, Todd, I don't know that I'm even a Christian. I don't know that I've even, I'm in kindergarten yet. But man, I, I, need, I need you. I need the Lord. I need Jesus. I need I need salvation. I need, I need to have a spiritual birth today. If that's you, just raise your hands and I want to pray for you. If you say, Todd, pray for me because I, I want to learn what it's like to live for Jesus. Come on, raise your hands high. Thank you, Lord Jesus. This is your day. This is your opportunity. No matter what you've been through, no matter how much brokenness you've been through, I want you to know that Jesus loves you and he died for you. Amen. You just close your eyes right now. I want you to just pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm empty. 
and I need your love. Lord Jesus, today I surrender to you. I believe that you can help me. You can satisfy my thirst. And I'm looking to you today. Lord Jesus, would you forgive me for every sin that I've ever committed? I want to change my life. I want to live for you. But I need your help. Would you help me? Thank you, Jesus, for accepting me into your family and into your kingdom. In Jesus' name.